Greetings one and all. Welcome in. It's Sports Talk Midweek Edition right here smack in the middle. It is no longer early in the week. It's no longer late in the week. It is the middle of the week. And that means everything we say today will just be in the middle. No <laughs> no hot takes to one side or the other. Just be very balanced and reasonable in everything we say. Lauren Tate, welcome in. Good to see you. How do you do? Very nice shirt you're wearing, by the way. Well, thank you. I know you're just saying it's a plain old shirt, but that's I, what it is. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a nice shirt. It's strength striking. Getting out all my long sleeve shirts this week. How many of them have you bought yourself? None. I thought so. <laughs> it's a good thing that you have daughters and grandkids and well, great grandkids. Something to get me for my Christmas, right? <laughs> there was a time in my life when I hated getting clothes for Christmas. Now <laughs> I welcome it. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. Welcome in. Uh, we're going to talk some college athletics with Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com. He is joining us in a little bit here on the program. Next hour, a little more in-depth look at the Wisconsin Badgers. Jim Polzin from the Wisconsin State Journal, Badger Extra. He will be on the line with Evan Kahn and myself. Also tonight, this is not just uh, this is not the only show here on this station at six o'clock. Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential, powered by U of I Army ROTC. Colin Likes and Joey Wright will be here in studio to lead you through that. 7 o'clock, the Brett Bielma Show, live at Papa Dell's in Champaign. Brian Barnhart hosts. So there we go. We're just but a prelude to these events but later in prelude. the day. But a prelude, that's good. But a prelude. Hey, last night up in Milwaukee. Yeah, it was great. I thought the, uh, the Cardinals, that's not, that's not the Cardinals, but the Cardinals won a division title. The magic number was three, but it actually was two because of the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. By winning last night, the uh, Cardinals uh, could do no worse than a tie in the standings with Milwaukee. And because they own the head-to-head, they are the outright National League Central Division champions, just as Lawrence said they would be back in April. Well, I wasn't so sure then. <laughs> but <laughs> I told I think, you. <laughs> but here they are, 25 games over 500, and that's a, that's a pretty good year. This is what the... 17th or so, 17th or 18th time and since two, uh, 2000 that they've uh, been in the playoffs, and that's good. You have to get in to win them, and when you get in, you've got almost as good a chance as the next guy, except for one thing, that pitching really becomes a, a key to this, and you really need an ace. You really need a, an ace, and they uh, maybe they found an ace last night in Nicholas. I, I thought he pitched really well against the Brewers. Well, he has a capability. I think he, don't you think he'll be their first starter? I don't, they're, they're going to make arrangements. I mean, we're going to get to see Quintana again tonight, but uh, it has to be between those two. I don't think it's going to be Wainwright. I don't, I don't see how it can be uh, Flaherty. I, I just, I think it's got to be one of those two. I, think I don't that's think right. Montgomery has, uh, has been near as effective uh, recently. Here's a tale of two managers: one in his first year leading a ball club, full of good to great talent. And he wins a division crown. And here's another manager that is very well seasoned and experienced, full of good to great talent on his ball club, and they fall miserably short in the Chicago White Sox. Well, how do you assess Ollie Marmel? Well, I think he's a he's a good manager, but I mean, this is first year. I I don't I think managers have less to do. Basketball, the, the coach is really important. Football, the the two coordinators are extremely important, and the head coach too. In baseball, they're just simply taking the what's being handed down from the front office. 
They'll all tell you that. I mean, they're not even paid like uh, the coaches in the other sports. Well, sure. But but fans sure do get rankled if things go south well, about the manager. Get all the rankled all they want. I'm, tell, I'm just saying that, that all they're doing, if you buck what's coming down, you get fired. Mm-hmm. This is this is why Mamel is the co- is a is the coach of the, of the Cardinals now. He's the manager of the Cardinals now because the previous guy did uh, bucked what was coming down. It's old now. It's but the the film Moneyball portrayed it when uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, playing the character of uh, Art Howe for the Athletics and was. Telling Billy Bean, I'm the manager and I'll make these decisions. And Billy Bean, as the front office, was saying, Nope, it's my but decision. Other factors weigh in. Arms get hurt, injuries affect. The the White Sox might come back next year and and be injury free and, and run away with the Central Division. You never know. You know, this was Cleveland's year. Everything worked for Cleveland. There is just no sport, I think, more where uh, the search for answers, definitive answers, is sought after, and it's hard to come by when it comes to explaining baseball. And and so managers tend to probably get too much share of uh, the, the praise and the criticism for wins or losses. Yeah, well, not by me, because I don't think the managers have that much to do with it. That's my feeling. Mm-hmm. Now, that would, that, you know, you could tell me, well, the Cleveland's got a manager that's won four, uh, you know, has, has a tremendous record historically, and that's fine. But, look, the games are decided in the 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth innings. 7th, 8th, and ninth innings, okay? And the pitchers in those, are, in those innings are relief pitchers. And relief pitchers from year to year go up and down and up and down. You never know. And that's when the games are decided. Now, in the lower levels and in college – I think it's a different story because the head coach there is also, if you will, a GM in that well, they're that's, recruiting, that's they're building recruiting. a program, that's, that's different. That's and they're developing guys, and they're way more mm-hmm. hands-on in a different kind of way. But, yeah, at the at the high professional level. And, and, the, and the coaches don't have an awful I – mean, I'm sure they have something to say, but they, they're not involved in the trades that are made. I mean, I shouldn't say they're not involved. They are involved, but they're not the, the, the driving force in a trade. Mm-hmm. First of all, you've got to figure out if you can afford it. And the guys in the front office decide whether they can afford it or not. Yeah, it's so. it's it's just a different world. Baseball is a different world as far as the manager is concerned. I I just don't put a lot of, you know, managers can be very real good one year and real bad the next, and there's no excuse for it, no no reasoning for it. But all in all, what the Cardinals did this year is pretty remarkable. They had some great individual achievements. I know it's a bad division. But they still have been able to show some consistency um, that's been hard to match by a lot of franchises. And uh, I wouldn't consider them in any, any, any sort of favorite, but once you're in, you're in. Well, the Cardinals have had really good fortune of late in late innings. They've made some incredible comebacks. They've gotten a lot of inspiration from Pujols. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And they've gotten a really strong year from Wainwright, who should be over the hill. And they've gotten, a, up, up until the last three or four weeks, they've gotten a sensational season out of, uh, at first and third base, and they're still getting to third. And, and it looks like uh, Goldsmith's going to start hitting again. He hit the ball last night several times very well. He, he hasn't hit a home run since September the 7th. And, you know, it's the end of September. I know because I turned in my timesheet today. <laughs> 
By the way, 54 miles per hour. 54 miles per hour. The difference between the fastest and slowest pitch that was delivered last night. Well, was it delivered by a starting pitcher or by uh, somebody that came in uh, from the... Miles Michaelis threw a pitch that was 60.2 miles per hour. Oh, he did. A curveball. Big, slow curveball. And that's really a tough pitch to hit when you're... When you're heat up for a fastball. Ryan Helsley threw the fastest pitch this season, 104.2 miles per hour. Isn't that amazing? Not point one, point two. Okay, now that you said that, where was that measured? When it left his hand or when it reached the home plate or for the... Or, does it, or is it based on the time it took from his hand to the catcher? I assume the, the latest. Don't make assumptions. Well, I wasn't there. <laughs> well, I mean, how's it done by the major leagues? How do they determine how fast a pitch is? I mean, it's it's got to be from point A to point B. Over you don't think it's how fast? Distance traveled divided it's, by time. It's going time. faster when it leaves his hand than well, when sure. it gets to home plate. But if, if it takes you an hour to go mm-hmm. okay. uh, 60 miles, mm-hmm. you... Your 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 speed was sixty miles per hour. You might have spent half the time going ninety and half the time going thirty. But. I read a, I read a long article on that just this past week, and I needed a psychiatrist when it was over. What <laughs> did you need before? <laughs> a psychiatrist. Okay. I I it, I think it's from point A to point B. I think you're right, but. It's, if you read if you read the technical part of it it's really tricky and and if you go if you want to go back 30 40 50 years and and try to guess how well it's going all the way back to Bob Feller and guess how how hard he threw the ball they didn't measure it like they're measuring it now so you really don't know how fast he could throw but in in the 1940s and 50s you don't know that yeah that's true but Okay, if it leaves his hand at 110 and finishes at 102 or 100, and let's say, and it's averaging 104, it's still fast. It's re- <laughs> well, there's no question about that. Still hard to hit. There was a, there was, it wasn't too many years ago that 100-mile-an-hour pitches were very few and far between. Uh, all right, uh, anything else on your mind? Have you decided if Illinois football will win against Wisconsin or not I this just weekend? don't know how Illinois is going to score. Uh, with any kind of, I, I, I mean, can they score more than 14 points, in your opinion? That's what has me worried. I, I think offensively, I think they'll move the ball, but they need to, they need a break or two, something to, you know, they need a long pass. They need a, a, a turnover that, uh, you know, they need, they need some breaks up there in order to win. I think. When you think of the Wisconsin offense and the Illini offense. What do you think of in his in their strengths as their strengths? First thing. Well, I think the running game is the strength mm-hmm. of, of Wisconsin. I think that Illinois' running game is is very good, but I don't know if they can run against the level of, of defensive talent that Wisconsin's going to throw out there. But sort of Ohio State didn't have any trouble moving the ball on them. So Yep. But did you know that uh Wisconsin, in terms of yardage and what have you, has been very balanced this year. Well, yeah. I would be very concerned about their run game, as anyone should be, but they have been successful in the air. 
Well, and they made a note. They make a note of it right there in their notes to tell you that they're balanced statistically. That anybody who plays Wisconsin, including Illinois, is going to be gearing their defense to stop the run. Yeah, that will be your main objective. Right, and therefore you're going to get hit with some passes because that's not your main objective is to stop their pass. You must stop their run. If you don't stop their run, they'll run all day. Exactly, and, and I, I understand and not so all you passing. You have to be able to do both. Yes, and not all passing yards are created the same. No, nor running yards. That matter. Which do you think Illinois has more of, passing yards or rushing yards? Well, in this game, they better have more yards passing. They better. As a whole, the Illini have 983 passing yards and 836 rushing yards. But, but I would point out, a lot of those passing yards are after the catch well, by the nature of the play design. Well, that's true of everybody, though. Well, it, 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 everybody has, obviously, you can put a little screen out there, and if you run for 70 yards, it's a 70-yard pass play. These little pop passes for every forty-yard pass that uh, Bryant catches, you know, it's in the air that far. There's going to be a whole lot of other plays that are yeah. short passes, and that's what, why that what Isaiah I'm saying Williams is, is geared to t- take the short pass and make it make a gainer out of it. What I'm saying is, is I think uh, I would wager that Illinois' passing yards after a catch or yards gained after the catch is probably more than whatever average mm-hmm. of the Big Ten or something like that, just on how they do it, because they just, I, they just don't air it out. This is Camp Randall. This is a packed house. This is a team that's built, it's got a historical advantage on, I mean, when I historical, I'm saying in the last 30 years, they've got a big advantage on Illinois in terms of wins and losses. They're, they'll be very confident. Uh, Illinois will be bucking a lot of uh, problems in trying to uh, run that football and, and score against them. It, it's going to be tough. And I just think they're going to need some breaks to do it. But I think they don't want to play strong defensively. All right. I'm getting word here we're going to have uh, an audible at the line of scrimmage here in terms of our guest lineup. So we're going to sort that out here as we take a break. Okay. Uh, Lauren, I'm, you know, good radio host would say stay tuned for whatever's next to, <laughs> to keep you with us. I, I don't know exactly what is next, but I promise you it will be something. It'll be something. <laughs> and it might even be good. Stay with us. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Illini family, this is Brett Bielema. We're on the road for a big matchup with Wisconsin this Saturday. Catch all the game day coverage starting two hours before kickoff right here on TWS. All right, it is Sports Talk on a Wednesday. And I, I told you we would come up with something, and I think we did come up with something good. Basically, what I told you was going to happen next hour is now happening this hour. And what I told you was going to happen this hour is now happening next hour. (laughs) Jim Polzin, Wisconsin State Journal, is here to talk with us from Madison, Madison Madison.com, Badger Extra, to help us understand these Wisconsin Badgers a a little bit more. So, Jim, uh, thanks for uh, taking the new play call that just came in from the sideline and being willing to do whatever we do, whatever the coach says, right? Yep. Coach me up. Yep. Give me an audible. I'll take it. That's right. You just are here to help the team win. Good to hear from you. Uh, we always appreciate uh, visiting with you. And are you ready for the red carpet to be rolled out for Brett Bielma? Yeah, it might be just – I'm going to be down there leading the charge. Uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's been good to have Brett back in the conference. I'll say that. I mean, I, I uh, 
I, I enjoyed my time with him here, and um, I think he brings a little personality um, to that profession, and, and certainly it's good to have him in the Big Ten West. I always find it remarkable that he and Paul Christ, uh, my understanding is that they remain friends, and obviously they're competitors this week, but uh, the, you, you couldn't have two more sort of uh, different personalities in how they engage with people, but yet I think they're from the same tree of football. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, they were very, very different personalities. I mean, back back when Brett was here in the early days, um, you know, Paul was uh, married, three kids. Uh, Brett was a bachelor at that early in those early days, and um, Brett was a defensive-minded coach. Paul obviously was on offense and and really did a good job with the offense. And I think Brett pretty much let him do, you know, was successful, and he let him kind of do what he wanted and. Um, I think they had the same overall philosophy on the way to win at Wisconsin is running the ball and, um, and you know, kind of a smash mouth philosophy. And so it worked well. A lot of wins during that stretch. Well, I asked Brett Bielma this week about, I think, three of the top five rushers in the country right now are in the Big Ten West. And, you know, I'm I'm looking for the connective tissue there. And he 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 wouldn't go there if he thought there was in his mind but uh, do you look at it as coincidence or this is of course what where running backs come to the Big Ten West yeah I think so I think again it comes down to philosophy Um, you know I think generally in the Big Ten and especially in the the Big Ten West I think they know the importance of running the ball and especially as you get later in the season you you know the weather might shift and you've got to have a good running game you've got to try to keep your defense off the field as much as possible um and i think that's the way that wisconsin does it and illinois wants to do it and minnesota wants to do it and i know iowa doesn't have a premier back and it hasn't always had a premier back but they clearly want to run the ball and ground and pound so i think there's a shared philosophy everybody does things a little bit different i mean no scheme is the same um but i i there's a little, you know, there's the general focus and general philosophy, I think, is pretty consistent on this side of the league. Jim Polzin with us, Wisconsin State Journal. Jim, this is Lauren. Uh, you played uh, Ohio State Saturday night. Illinois had a couple extra days rest. Is this going to make any difference? So coming out of the Ohio State game, where, where is Wisconsin as opposed to where they were going in it? Well, great question. <laughs> I mean, from a health standpoint, you know, they lost their starting tight end in that game, Clay Condiff, who was, you know, kind of in the midst of a breakout season. So that's from, you know, just from an injury standpoint, that was a big one. Um, I'm more interested in mentality and, you know, you go over to Columbus and get your butt kicked. It's 28, nothing after, after about 17 minutes in that game, it was just, you know, it was, it was over kind of before it started. Um, and, you know, so I'm curious how they bounce back. How does, you know, how did the leaders on the team kind of, get the young kids not to lose hope and, and, and just kind of move on to the next game. How does Paul Christ, how is his, what's his message this week? I mean, all of that is very interesting to me and um, unpredictable in many ways. You know, I, I look back at last season, a little bit, you know, a little bit of a parallel to last season. Uh, Wisconsin was one and three out of the gates. This year it's two and two. And, you know, last year they responded by going down to Illinois winning and, and that was the start of a seven game winning streak. So I think Wisconsin, you know, the guys that have been around, are hoping for something similar, but you know, it's just, that was a beatdown on Saturday night. And I, from a, just a pure mentality standpoint, I'm I'm as curious as anyone to see how they respond. Yeah, I I, I would be too because if you were going to just look at the thing from a distance, uh, 
you'd think that Illinois ha- got a break in terms of the scheduling because they were able to push that game with Chattanooga back. Didn't have a single injury, go in healthy as can be, and a little more confident than they were when they lost at Indiana. Uh, but nevertheless, my question, my main question is, can Illinois move the ball and score more than one touchdown against Wisconsin in this game? What, what's your view of that? Yeah, I mean, this, you know, in, in terms of when I want to see what, what, how this team responds, I mean, the defense is, is certainly, Wisconsin's defense is certainly one of the areas that I want to see. You know, it's, this program doesn't give up 52 points very often. And, and under Jim Leonard, uh, you know, that was, that was the most points an opponent has scored. Um, I think going into the season, we all kind of wondered uh, after losing eight starters on that side of the ball what it would be like and, and can they just plug and play. Um, I think what we're finding out is there are some areas where they're pretty young and, and some potential weaknesses that, that Illinois and others could exploit. So your guess is as good as mine, Lauren. I, I just don't know how that group's going to respond. I mean, it could go one of two ways. You know, like I said, that that could be a conference, a confidence shatterer, losing like that, or you can um, kind of take it as a turning point and uh, you know draw a line in the sand and and and, and come back really strong. So. I, I don't know from a prediction standpoint. I don't really know how they'll respond. Um, I do know, like you know, my previous answer, the last year's run kind of started with Illinois. But I do know from watching Illinois this year, it's a, it's a very, it's a much different team. You know, I, I think Wisconsin's got uh, a much, gonna have a much more difficult time with Illinois this year than they did last year. It, are, are Wisconsin fans getting a little bit fussy over Chris? He seems like a kind of a plain guy he's he's uh, you wouldn't call him a dynamic leader would you <laughs> <laughs> no no not at all and you're right i mean you've hit it on the head i, I think i i've heard i hear a little bit more grumbling every year um and two weeks ago or you know three weeks ago now they lost at home to washington state and then to follow that up with with the like i said it wasn't so much that they lost ohio state because i think everybody's expecting a loss at ohio state but when you're down 28 nothing and it's just you know it's ugly right from the get-go and it's on national television I think that's that's such a different tone, and 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 so I've been hearing more and more about more and more complaints this week, and 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 just general questions about the direction of the program. And and it's funny you mentioned his personality. Um, you know, for three years when they're I think they're twenty two and four in his first twenty six Big Ten games, um, that played really well, and people looked at him as kind of the homegrown Wisconsin guy who wasn't a you know, just kind of went about his business and got the job done. And, and his, his news conferences, when he comes out and says he appreciates everything, whatever, um, that played really well. But now when you're a fan base looking for answers and, and the coach says much, many of the same things, it doesn't play as well. So I think people are, you know, the people I hear from want to see um, more passion from him. Um, they want to hear better answers. I don't think Paul's going to change. I think he is who he is. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of it's it's who you have. So I don't know. We'll see how this plays out. Um, I actually talked to Chris McIntosh today. I'm working on as we speak. I'm working on a story on kind of Chris McIntosh, the athletic director's view of the state of the program and and, and where it is going forward. And, and as you know, not spoiler alert, he was um, it was a general vote of confidence. I, I don't think Chris is is ready to hit the panic button like some UW fans are. I've never met a fan of any <laughs> sport that says, "Boy, we just won a championship, but my coach is our coach is too um, dispassionate, so we better get rid of him." Yeah, 
Yeah. It's been then, interesting to see how this has all played out. And, you know, the thing is, um, this program has had, you know, what I, I, I'm referring to this as a rut, and I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, and, and this program's had these over the years. I mean, Brett, Brett, Brett's second year, they went nine and four, and, and I think they started out three or three and four and oh or something, and didn't end that season well. And then his third season, they were seven and six, but they bounced out of it. You know, they came out the other side. Barry had a couple different runs where, you know, I think they were 20 and 19 over a three-year stretch in the early 2000s. And, and after that first Rose Bowl in 94, there was a little bit of a stretch where it was, you know, mediocre, for lack of a better word. So, and, Matt, and Chris McIntosh, the AD, was the uh, player on that first rut, uh, during that first rut area. And then they bounced out of it with some Rose Bowls. So there's a history of bouncing out of this. Um, now, there's not a history necessarily of Paul Chris-led teams bouncing out of it because he just he's had a seven-year run and we just haven't. We haven't seen him bounce out of adversity as much. Well, as Jim, really what I see looking on from from Illinois, I, I know they do a good good job recruiting when it's when it's it, Wisconsin and Illinois. But overall, Wisconsin's recruiting over a, over a, I think an extended period. You, you check me if I'm wrong, has not been exceptional. It's been good, but not you know not anywhere close to the Michigan's, Ohio State, Penn State's, and I, that's why I, I think that. Wisconsin, to me, uh, you know, it, it looks like they might be beatable based on the talent brought in, but they sure do a heck of a job with it once they get it. That's what I see. Yeah, and that's always been the case. I mean, they, they're never going to win signing day, and, and whether it was even under Barry or Brett, um, just never have. The ironic thing here is that if you believe in recruiting rankings, and I'm always, you know, I'm always take them with a grain of salt because. You know, you, you have no idea what a coach sees in a player when they bring them into the program. But if, if you believe in recruiting rankings, Wisconsin in 2019, 20, and 21, those were their three highest rec- recruited classes ever. And, and we're talking, I think, 19 or 20 and 21, it was like 15th in the country, somewhere around there. So you're talking anywhere from like 20th to 15th in the country, which for Wisconsin, again, is like that's, that's the high water mark. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of the question I think fans have is, you know, we had these great recruiting classes stacked them together. Why hasn't, why isn't it showing on the field? And, and it's a great question. I don't know if they're not developing as, as much. The one area that really stands out to me, you know, besides quarterback is offensive line. This has always mm-hmm. been a program that's had a great offensive line. Um, that, that group has not lived up to the standard the last really two to three seasons. And, and if they can get that turned around, I think that makes everything else tick here because that's always been the case. Well, I think offensive line is always a developmental thing, regardless of what you bring. You're going to bring in guys that are going to get up to 300 pounds. The question is, how good are they? And yeah. it's not always the the top recruit that turns out to be the best player. Just isn't. Yeah, yeah. Really, that's a history of that happening around here. You're right. I mean, there's there's been a lot of two and three star guys who have developed into all American types mm-hmm. and. And, um, you know, they've got a couple five stars on this group that just, you know, one guy already lost his starting job and one guy is a redshirt freshman who hasn't, it's just not ready. So you, again, that's kind of why I take recruiting rankings with a little bit of a grain of salt. Cause you just don't know how, how the kid's going to develop once they get there. Jim Polzin, Wisconsin state journal with us for a few minutes longer here on sports talk. Uh, can I switch to basketball for, uh, for a quick moment and ask if you see this year for the Badgers being a year where they come in with a lot of expectations and they end up being really good or a year mm. where they come in with low expectations and they end up being really good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. I'm, I'm so gun shy 
uh, because I look at this team on paper and see somewhere around seventh, eighth, ninth place. I just, you know, Johnny Davis is a lot. That's a big, big piece to replace. And, and frankly, Brad Davison too was, you know, that's, you're asking, he did a lot of things for this program, like him or not. I know other fan bases don't like him. But <laughs> he did. Say, uh, there's a lot of tears over here amongst <laughs> right. Illinois fans. <laughs> right. So, so you know, like that's that's my caveat is like I look at this team and say, you know, on paper somewhere in the middle of the pack, and yet I'm so gun shy because last year the preseason poll came out and they were tenth place, picked to finish tenth, and I did not. Dis- I wasn't part of that poll, but I did not disagree with it at all because I just thought there were so many question marks going in um and then you know basically eight crow the rest of the season from the w fans because they're like how how could anybody pick this team to finish 10th and i'm like well yeah you're right i mean they're, they're exceeding expectations as they've done so many times over the course of the last two decades or so um so i don't know i don't know what to tell you i think it's gonna be a little bit of a different team i think they're gonna have a little bit more trouble scoring than than maybe some of the past couple teams, um, but I think defensively it should be good. They've got a really good trio in in Chucky Hepburn, Tyler Wall, and Stephen Crowell. I think those three are a great foundation to build the team on. Um, it's those outer pieces, the, the, the unproven parts that you know I'm not so sure about yet, and, and depth is is a concern as far as I'm you know as far as I see it. So seventh, eighth, ninth. In other words, they'll, they'll win the league. Of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I don't. And, and the Big Ten is weird to me too this year, guys. I mean, like I I. You know, Indiana's supposed to be good. Michigan's supposed to be good. I think I like Illinois, the pieces they brought in. Um, but I don't see a true uh, powerhouse necessarily. And, and so there might be a little bit of a, a parody-driven thing. And it, it kind of, as it always does, will depend when you get teams. Not so much who you're playing, but when you're playing them. Because, you know, teams can go through slumps. And, and if you can catch them on the right night, um, you'd be in good shape. Jim, do you know, tell us that stat. How many times over the last 20 or 30 years have they finished in the top what is it, three or four of the Big Ten? I mean, how many? It was, it was, um, Bo, I think, was here 15 years and and finished top four every year. And then Guard kept that going two years. They missed the tournament one year. Uh, they got back to fourth place the next year. They finished eighth the next year and then the last year. So I, I would say, I'm totally rambling here, I would say over 20 years they've probably been top four 17 times, somewhere somewhere around that. Mark, it's amazing. Which is pretty, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty amazing run of of uh, of, sus- of sustained success. And every year we predict this will be the year they don't make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, so right. this will be this coming year will be the year they won't make it. <laughs> Just like Lauren and the Cardinals. <laughs> so here we go. All right, hey Jim, appreciate it. this was fun. I look forward to seeing you on Saturday up there at Camp Randall. Uh, it'll be my first time experiencing the earthquake of jump around. So I'll try to hold on. For dear life, and and uh, maybe pick up uh, a unique beverage that's only offered in Wisconsin while I'm up there as well. I hope you understand what you have there. Yeah, Scott, I promise you the the, the press box is going to shake on Saturday. It's going to feel like it's just going to fall forward. It's going to feel like the TVs hanging over you are going to fall on you. It it, it won't. <laughs> you'll be safe, and, and it's, it's going to be crazy, but it, you'll be safe, I promise. May still have you hold my hand. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Okay. Hey, lots of fun. Thanks much. Thanks, Jim. Yep, take care, guys. All right, that's Jim Polzin. Give him a follow on Twitter at Jim Polzin WSJ. That's for the Wisconsin State Journal. Good guy, and I enjoyed that. By the way, Lauren, if Wisconsin were to win this game, that would be Paul Christ's 68th win 
at Wisconsin, and that would tie him for second place all-time at Wisconsin with Brett Bielma. Okay. I don't know if that's even in his mind, but I think he would find that a little bit um, satisfying if that happened. Well, it, I, I am hearing I am hearing dissatisfaction with Chris. Yeah, and I, I I know that's just fan talk and it's Twitter talk and it's you know it's but uh, nevertheless um, he doesn't do much to inspire, but they're they're always awfully good and they, and I do think they played better than their recruiting. I, I was surprised to to learn that they felt like the nineteen twenty and twenty one uh, recruiting years were their were their best. Go figure. Mm-hmm. At least uh, on paper. Mm-hmm. All right. I uh, want to take a moment as we see storm, s- storms in the news right now and remind you that if you ever have a concern with your roof, see you under construction is a great way to go. Now, when it comes to your roof, if you've got a major problem, you'll know it in, in that it needs immediate emergency attention. But if not, if you're never ever unsure, they can come out, take a look at your roof and help you inspect it and let you know what's going on with it, especially if a storm's come through and you suspect hail damage or wind damage. Sometimes you cannot, actually often, you cannot identify damage to your roof just by standing on the sidewalk and looking up. It has to take somebody who knows what to look for to get up there. They're well-trained in this. They're well-trained in working with uh, insurance companies and how to get that whole process uh, done right, and they do the actual roof replacement quite well as well. See you under construction uh, right here in town. They have uh, really grown in their popularity. Word's gotten out. They're winners in multiple categories for the News Gazette's People's Choice. Head to seeyouunderconstruction.com. More in a moment on Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Hi, this is Kyle Likas with the News Gazette. Join us tonight for the Surf Pro Prep Football Confidential Show, powered by U of I Army ROTC, live at 6 p.m. right here on DWS. The first pitch, little check swing, back to Helsley, he's got it, underhands, the Cardinals, the 2022 NL Central Division Champions. It's the fourth consecutive year in postseason play, and a season that has been defined by so many great moments and individual milestones in 2022. The Cardinals are the champions of the National League Central Division. Definitely, guys. I mean, what an honor. I mean, to come back here, you know, and just finish my career being in the playoff. I mean, this is just, I pick it up on all This is just one step, guys. Just remember this moment. This is what we want to do deep in October and hopefully win the championship, bring it to the city of San Luis. So enjoy it. Enjoy the night we deserve. Open down, you know, long season. And this is just one strong step. So, I mean, there's no, no better sacrifice than winning that championship, guys. Just stay focused on that. We have one week left to the season. Just stay focused, finish strong, and then there goes the playoff, guys. This is what we play for. We made good morning, but this is what we play for. So let's win a championship this year, guys. God bless. Let's go. All right, there you go. Albert Pujols in the locker room is speech to his teammates. Hey, we make good money, but this is what we play for. <laughs> Just like you, Lauren. Oh, Make good money, but 
just the chance to be on the air with me is That's what, exactly you, what, right. what you do. Um, a, a texter says, as we were as we were talking about the Cardinals at the outset of the show, and Ali Marmol and Tony Larusa. Texter says, "Stick to your guns, Scott. Managers are most certainly responsible for in-game decision making, and Tony Larusa's has been questionable at numerous times this season to the point of costing the Sox wins." Thanks for your show. He's he's made some blunders, that's for sure. That's your opinion. Yeah. Okay. Tony Larusa. That's right. Yeah, he has made. So, so I believe question- that you know more about baseball and his team than he knows about his baseball and his team. I know uh, you're not alone. I, but I'm just say, making the point, you know. I, I'm willing to. I'm willing to stand my ground and not walk. You shouldn't walk somebody with a one-two count. Okay, that's okay. But he thinks you should. In that case of Turner, who's a good, really good right-handed pitcher, who the, who all of a sudden first base is open, and he thinks he can get the next guy out. I mean, yeah. that's the thinking that went through his mind. Yeah, I mean, I time. see how he got the, there. The yeah. right-left thing is also another. You know, I. Uh, as to but, whether I know more about baseball than Tony LaRusso, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna consider that for a bit. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I don't either. I'll tell you what. <laughs> and, and the guy is right. I mean, the managers have a lot of decisions to make. I'm just saying that their decision making has been reduced by what's being handed down in analytics, and that they have less impact on their sport than than those people leading any other sport. Almost. I mean, any other team sport. That's the contention Joe Madden has been making. Well, of course. Since he's been it's obvious. fired. Yeah. I don't say anything that isn't obvious. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's really... It's it's really clear that that uh, the managers have have been stripped yeah. of their of their power. I don't know what Leo DeRocher would do today, but he wouldn't last two months with anybody. I think and you're I probably right. Leo DeRosa was a great manager, but I think you're probably right. As I've learned over the years, usually you're right. Not always, <laughs> but usually. Okay, we're right back. Uh, one more time out here in this first hour. Next hour, Evans in. We'll have more fun as well. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Now at NewsGazette.com, Inside Illini Basketball, a weekly podcast with beat writer Scott Ritchie, who has turned into his All Big Ten preseason team, and that includes Terrence Shannon Jr. I had fun stopping by last night to see a little fall ball with Illinois. Oh, good. Nice uh, win, huh? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like it's like spring training for a major league team. It doesn't. The outcome doesn't matter well, as the much as... the first game they played was 14 innings. I mean, they agreed yeah. to 14 innings before yeah. they started. The outcome's kind of meaningless in that sense. It's how the guys perform. But there were two balks called. Oh, really? In, in, in the same inning on this on on the same opposing pitcher. Really? And somebody remarked, "Have you ever seen two balks on the same guy?" Well, they're just showing up here the the three balks on on the Marlins pitcher last night, and uh, I I, I I can't wait to see how that thing gets broken down because in the very next pitch you couldn't tell the yeah. difference between a balk and a non-balk. Do you know what a balk is? What is it? When the umpire says it is, that's, <laughs> that's, what, right. that's what the umpire says it is. That's what a, a, what a balk is. All right, sir. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Appreciate it, Lauren Tate. Evan Kahn coming up. We'll visit with Adam Rittenberg as well next hour. WDWS Champaign Urbana.